Welcome to the Matters of Movement podcast. I am your host, Christina Whalen Chabot. Join me as we explore all the things that impact our movement experience so that we can all strive to move better to feel better. As I interview movement experts, therapists, researchers, and more. Today, we are welcoming Eva Byrne to the podcast. Thank you for joining us, Eva. Hi. For me, good afternoon. Good morning for you. Yes, yes, absolutely. Lately, I've been playing around with doing different time zones, so it's been good. I interviewed a woman from Australia the other week, so that was fun trying to coordinate that. So Eva is a person who lives her passion together with her husband, their Icelandic horses, their three dogs, and one cat in a small village in the north of the Netherlands. As a physiotherapist and instructor, she has always been looking for some way to put feeling during riding into words, but also to educate people about how their bodies work. Through the training of the Franklin Method Equestrian, she's received new, very applicable insights and information. In recent years, she has done various courses on sports psychology, which provides a nice total package to guide riders and horses. So this is really exciting because not only are you a physiotherapist for humans, but you are also for horses, which is incredible. So amazing. So tell us a little bit about that, about being a physiotherapist for horses. Uh, Being a physiotherapist for horses, in my opinion, there are athletes too. They use their body all the time. And we as rider, actually, we... Even if we are a good rider, we always interrupt them because we ask something from them that's not what they don't do in nature. Mm -hmm. So they will work their bodies as well. And yeah, like we humans go to a physiotherapist or to a massage or to wellness, something like that. I think it's good to, to do that for the other athletes as well. So it's not only when they are injured already, but also to prevent injuries and to keep them, keep them healthy and yeah, keep them like as best as possible in their in their body. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So what kinds of things? So you massage the horses. What else do you do for them? Actually, I work with things from the Franklin method as well. Oh. I use the I use the water filled purple bowl as well to tap them, to oh. give them a better proprioception in some places. Yeah, we do soft tissue mobilizations. I use laser. I use other kinds of manipulations so mm-hmm. with my hands, just the same as you are yeah. doing as a, a normal physio. That's amazing. And I guide the riders with how to train them. So I also use like homework for the rider or trainer to get the horse after a treatment. Uh, to make sure they use the new range of motion or the new way their body is working also in the training. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm running through my own program right now where I'm doing a combination of Pilates and the Franklin method together for this group of women that I'm working with right now. And so we just went over the proprioception and the tapping, which is so wonderful, you know, to be able to wake up the body and to be able to teach, you know, our bodies where we are in space. And it's quite magical, that whole experience, isn't it? I mean, I feel like, (laughs) and do you notice the horses reacting in a specific way? Or how do they respond to physio proprioceptive work? Most of them, they like it. Yeah, of course, sometimes some of them, yeah, something hurts, or, or you have to gain their trust first. But for me, they really can communicate as well. 
And as soon as they show that something is really like unpleasant, I will try to treat it in, an, in another way. That's also why like I do dry needling, but I also do laser so I can combine what mm -hmm. suits the horse mm -hmm. the best. And most of them, they really like it. So they they start yawning or it's like like dozing away oh. a bit when I'm when I'm finished. I think they really like it. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. And especially the, the tapping, it's a good for like after an injury. Yes. I had this horse with a major injury on his shoulder and it, it got stitched. And then, of course, there's scar tissue and there's a long period of less of range of motion. And I learned their owner how he could do it with just using his fist and his fingers and just giving all new information to the injured region. Mm -hmm. And the horse is now working on normal level again. So, yeah. Oh, that's so incredible. And I feel like, I mean, since you are a physiotherapist for both horses and humans, I feel like you have this superpower, you know, to be able to teach people, riders, yeah. how to work really well with the horses, not only from an injury perspective, but from a performance perspective. Yeah, I think I, I do think so. And also with the perspective of looking at both the biomechanics of the horse and the rider to see if the yeah, the goal or whatever the rider wants to, yeah, where the rider wants to get to, if it's fair for the horse as well. Because mm. when you look to to the biomechanics of some horses, they like in Belgium, they've got these really massive horses, and yeah, they won't be a show jumper. So you have to also talk to the rider. Your horse is like the architecture of your horse is for this. Yeah, and yeah, when you you haven't the biomechanics of a uh, like a tractor you can't yeah. make a, <laughs> you, you you won't be like a cycler so yeah. yeah so what brought you to the franklin method because i actually have not spoken to anyone about the franklin method yet on the podcast so let's let's give everybody a bit of an overview of what the franklin method is i got to the franklin method during my high school education as a physiotherapist i had to do a six-week special training about special part of injuries and I was the lucky one who got the I think it was the ankle and the fracture that comes quite a lot with dancers and then yeah when you start looking up dancers and injuries and everything Eric Franklin gets in your google yes and, <laughs> and so I really looked it up and then I thought oh that's also something we could do and we're work for riders but didn't looked it up further and then it was always like so in the back of my brain he is doing like yeah, you've got like Feldenkrais you've got like Mensendijk you've got Josef Pilatus and Eric Franklin <laughs> for me he's like in this line of people who will teach you how to use your body that's right what I really liked is the way he uses also metaphors and imagery and that's really getting close to the way I work with riders for their mental part. Mm -hmm. And then it was like 2018, Alison came to the Netherlands for ball training. And I thought, well, let's do that. And then the ball training, it's only like two days and you get just where to place the balls during riding, what to do with the balls during riding, and that's it. Then it was like 2019 or 20, something like that. She came back to the Netherlands for the pelvis course and the spine. And this year she will come back for a lower leg. Okay. 
Okay. So yeah, I really think it's a good way. Also, the biomechanical perspective learns you to understand the body better. Mm -hmm. And I think the bone rhythms and the rhythms that your body is working, it's really interesting and really good for people to educate, but also to know yeah, what I'm doing actually. And I think we've been in a situation that not only children, but also we adults are getting more stuck in our head and we are overthinking things. And with like when you're teaching horse riding or as a physiotherapist, you're trying to teach somebody an exercise. We all do it with words and we do it with like your TA, you need to do this and that instead of feeling where the movement comes from or where the movement is stuck. Right. So and yeah. You, sorry. And when you said TA, what do you mean by TA? Oh, sorry. It transpires this <laughs> abdominus That's and it's right. like a muscle in the physiotherapist that's been, for me, it's always been like, it doesn't work that way. And luckily, nowadays, also a research has shown that it doesn't work that way, or even that it's maybe not all, everybody has a TA mm -hmm. uh, or knows how to work with it. But of course, it, it's been a time where we yeah, used the term core stability. And then even we as physiotherapists said, yeah, you have to tuck in your belly button to prevent your spine and to protect your spine. And then I thought, well, every muscle has a function and we've got muscles on the front and muscles on the back. And I think we need to use both of them equal. So why should I shorten a muscle on the front to protect something on the back? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> and luckily nowadays it's more perspective and time. And let's see where we are in 10 years. Maybe we, we all are speaking about the TA again. Mm -hmm. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. If you haven't checked out the Pilates and Movement online studio and all of the goodies inside of it, make sure to check out the link in the show notes below. I'm at the age now where I have, have lived, you know, quite, quite a few many years as an adult. And, you know, you see how ideas change, you know, you get more research, you get more experience, you get more practical applications. And then, and then you see how perhaps, you know, ideas around different practices are either useful or helpful or perhaps not useful or perhaps, you know, not as helpful. And so it's important to be able to transform, you know, and yeah. to, and to move with the information that we have. Yeah. And, and it's, it's okay to change our minds. And I know for a lot of people that's hard, right? Cause it's just like, you know, they get, you know, it becomes a bit of an ego thing. It's like, well, we've been talking about this for so long. And if I suddenly change how I'm talking about this, then people are going to be confused. And it'll be difficult. But I think, you know, we should be flexible. Yeah. And we should be as our body and as nature, everything is changeable. And I think it's good that we, yeah, that's the way luckily and i do recognize what you say some people or some also researchers are quite rigid about how they think and about what their researches are let's be yeah. fiscoelastic let's yeah. be <laughs> yeah let's move and let's move also with our brain and mm -hmm. and i really liked what you said earlier about you know that we're a, a lot of us are stuck in our heads you know yeah and i think especially now especially mm -hmm. right now as we're moving through this pandemic you know people are having big emotional and mental health struggles and so really getting caught up in our heads right now 
And, you know, really being able to teach people how to move their bodies right now and to be able to get out of here and into their bodies is, I think, such an important thing at the moment. I do recognize what you're saying about that the pandemic and the lockdowns make us rigid. And also it's like really like extreme mirroring for us all. And I can understand that we live in the luxurious position that we have the horses around our house. We live in a small village. We could do our sports all the time. But I can also imagine when you're living like in an apartment or when your relationship is not going that well, or your kids are not actually the thing you like the most. And then, yeah, you are with them 24-7. You have to be a home teacher. And I'm not a teacher. I'm educated to be a physiotherapist and we don't have kids. So it's maybe easy chatting, but I see it with friends and they aren't teachers. Like my sister, she is, she's a lawyer, but all of the sudden she needed to be like a teacher for a five and a seven-year-old. That's not her passion. So it's confrontating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we are, I think, anyhow, in this state we are right now with everything on social media and everything bigger, better. We maybe are a bit lost of nature and lost of our bodies. So I think the Franklin method helps for me and, and the way we live helps for me. And I yeah, I try to live my passion and, and everyone who wants to try or wants to have a sneak peek is welcome. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get into more detail here because yeah. we obviously, when it comes to the relationship between the rider and the horse, I feel like the pelvis is probably the biggest factors when it comes yeah. to that relationship. Can you talk a little bit about that relationship, how the pelvis should be working with the horse? Yeah, you're true. The pelvis is the arm main part body part where we communicate with because we sit on it Mm -hmm. and the pelvic floor is such an big or are such big muscles who can have such a great amount of information and it's the art of letting go not just opening only but it's actually the art for me in horse riding the art of knowing what I do with my pelvic floor and with my breath and without being only in my head but just feeling the sensory information I get through the saddle into my pelvic floor and then adjust the amount of tension or letting go or maybe tense up a bit more depending on the gait, depending on the speed, depending on the horse. Mm -hmm. Like your seat bones need to be moving and need to be like flexible Mm -hmm. and not your, your seat bones as is, but your pelvis needs to be flexible and what we quite a lot see is that riders are quite stiff down there maybe because they are taught with words like sit up straight sit still even sometimes hollow back and all those things have influences on how our pelvis moves and also how we communicate with our horse yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Cause I mean, once you are, you know, it's, it's not like, it's not like, you know, the horse is carrying a load, you know, like a, a big bag of, you know, rice on its back, no. <laughs> you know, you're carrying another moving, responding human being. And yeah. I, I imagine, I mean, I'm not a horse rider, but I imagine you want to almost become 
part of the horse. True. The metaphor I use quite a lot is that you, as a rider, you want to be the conductor of your orchestra. Mm-hmm. And a good conductor sometimes gives the orchestra a bit space to fill in his own rhythm mm. or to fill in his own volume. But a conductor always keeps his pathway, he has clear intentions, knows his symphony. And as a writer, it's for me, and it's quite logical that you have clear intentions. But what we see is quite a lot of writers who actually don't have clear intentions. So doubting about their self or doubting whether or not they are really want to do this or not knowing how the exercise goes. And as soon as you're doubting, you go into your brain instead of into your body mm. because doubt is is something that's in your brain. And yeah, as a good conductor, you just follow, you follow the orchestra and then the orchestra follows you and you follow the orchestra and it's like working together. And mm. that's what you want for me as, as a horse rider. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So you talked about breathing. And yeah. because of course, if you talk about the pelvic floor, you must talk about breathing. They are yeah. the same, basically. Yeah. I mean, they're not the same, but you know, we, you understand. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that connection between the breathing and the, and the pelvic floor? For me, there are two or actually three connective, like connective tissues. That's, that's our jaw, our breathing and our pelvic floor. When we breathe, our lungs fill. And as our lungs fill with air it's something that goes automatically we don't have to think about it luckily but then our diaphragm needs to go somewhere if we our diaphragm needs to lower as we inhale but then our diaphragm meets our intestine organs and they need to go somewhere as well and they need to go to the front so we need to have like a bit loose abdomen, but also an open pelvic floor so that our intestines can go somewhere. Mm -hmm. So if our pelvic floor is stuck, our intestines can't go anywhere, especially if we then have riders or people who have tension in their uh, abdomen, like the people who have learned to tense up their TA to protect their spine. (laughs) And then their organs can't go anywhere. So they're diaphragm stays high. And if your diaphragm stays high, you can't fill your body with fresh and new air. And so your your breathing will be higher up. And that's something we quite see in riders. And if you are filled up with air only high up, like between your shoulders, you're also easier to fall off because the center of gravity is higher and you're less stable at the bottom. So breathing and then a breathing into your abdomen is very important for a rider. I think for everybody, but for riders as well. And also because what we see in situations like stress, like going to a tournament, riding for somebody who has a higher level than you are or things like that, then quite a lot of people tense up their jaws, get their jaws together. And when you tense up your jaws, it's also quite certain that you're diaphragm is not able to lower down so what i often start with is just breathing on the horse and even sometimes with an open mouth like (laughs) or with your tongue a bit outside and so you don't tense up in your jaws and so i'm curious what the riders think of that do they laugh at you (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, they do. And especially when I say just do like a or keep chatting to your horse. That's also yeah. a good one. But yeah. Because just tell your horse what you see or tell what you had for lunch or mm -hmm. what you want for him to do. Because then we know your jaws aren't stuck together. Mm -hmm. And many riders at first think like you're gaga, you're where do you come from? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if they then notice the difference and notice when they relax their jaws that they also can breathe much more deeper. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I help them with the Franklin ball underneath their seat. So their pelvic floor is more relaxed. Sometimes I even help them with tapping with the water-filled ball around the diaphragm or like massaging their jaws so that they know where the things are because so many people don't know where their body parts are yeah. just don't have the neurological mind map ready mm -hmm. or lost it maybe yeah. somewhere along their life yeah that's so interesting because i mean if people don't know what a relaxed feeling yeah. is either in the diaphragm or in the jaw they don't know how to get there again later on no True. So true. Our job is to teach them, right? To teach yeah. them where that is and and then they can then repeat that and re recreate it. If you haven't checked out the Pilates and Movement online studio and all of the goodies inside of it, make sure to check out the link in the show notes below. And that's what I like about the Franklin method that you can use with like the tapping. Yes, of course, I can do it with a water-filled ball, but I can learn people that also to do it with their fists, their fingertips. Maybe they got something at home, like a tennis ball or something that they can tap with. And the same is with the metaphors or the self-talk, the imagery. And I also try to look to images that come from the writer or the student him or herself so that it's really from their point of view and sometimes I help them I always say I've got a whole lot of information in my backpack and I can make all kind of metaphors but as long yeah it's stronger the metaphor is stronger or mm -hmm. the imagery is stronger when it comes from you mm -hmm. and then I start sometimes with like a brainwave that comes into my head and then I say okay if I tell you something is round for me, it's like a lolly. What's something round for you? Yeah. And then we make their own imagery. Yeah, that's right. Because I think that's one of the beauties about the Franklin method, which you mentioned earlier, was this idea of using imagery and using mm -hmm. these ideas of metaphors, but not all metaphors work well for everybody, right? What is meaningful to me might actually be triggering and a challenge for somebody else. And so I love that you invite them into the process of figuring out what works for them. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. I did my Franklin Method pelvis exam topic was the hip. And for me, I needed to have some preps and I used a hat, but also my own hat. So the hat was the joint and my hat was the femur hat. And okay, I used that as my technical part. And then during my writing part, I asked my writing student, what's something round for you? And she came up with a tennis ball. I said, okay, mm -hmm. because she's got dogs and she likes to walk the dogs and then she throws tennis balls and they are round and fluffy. I said, okay, and what's for you something round, a fish tank? Mm -hmm. Okay, so during our writing exam, we polished a fish tank with a tennis ball okay. to image her hip joint yeah. during writing. Okay. For me, it was really like, okay, a fish tank and a tennis ball. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. But for her, it was 
total yeah it was her imagery and it was hers and she felt it and she used it and I said well okay if it works for you fine by me yeah well exactly and so I think one of my favorite quotes because I was just going over the art of change with my group the other day and the quote that I read and I'm probably going to get it wrong but it's not the image that's the goal. It's the change that's the goal. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, who cares if that image, you know, doesn't resonate with you or anyone or anyone else? It's like if you're getting the biomechanical movement, if the movement is clear and it feels free and easy, then that's the goal, right? Then yep. we, we have achieved our, our goal and we, we have yep. been successful, right? True. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I love your example. It's so good. <laughs> So earlier you mentioned that, you know, having a good mindset around movement with the horses is so important and that that can really impact the quality of movement with Mm -hmm. your horse. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think there are two things like knowing where body parts are, like, for instance, quite a lot of people don't know where their hips are and they point out more like the iliac crest region mm-hmm. instead of really their hip joints so moving from the iliac crest region you get a total different way you would move instead of moving from your hip joints that's one mm-hmm. um, but also the mindset really like how you are feeling and how you are makes also the work with horses really like a mirror mm-hmm. horses in nature resonate on the heartbeat of the alpha mare or stallion at the moment okay how i really feel am i tensed where is my breath how is my heartbeat am i thinking about what i'm doing now or am i in the future am i thinking about the grocery shopping or am i thinking about what i should do when i get home or am i really like mindful And being in the present is one of the most valuable, but also needed skills while you're working with animals. And especially when you're working with with horses, they really mirror what we do because it's also their nature. So when my heartbeat is high, I need to use my mental capacity to lower my heartbeat. Mm -hmm. So I need to first notice that my heartbeat is high and then I need to train myself what kind of tricks I have or uh, what kind of capacity I have to lower my heartbeat down. Mm-hmm. Then the check-in is really, really important. And actually, I learn my students to do the check-in as soon as they think about going to their horses. Mm. So when you get into the stable, first do a check-in. When you get your horse, and you, when you get your horse tacked up, do a check-in. And sometimes it could be much better to not go riding, but go lounging or walking or doing some groundwork just because your own body is so tense. This may be a negative word, but it's so on mm-hmm. and it's so there mm-hmm. and like you're light yeah yeah like you are like a fireball quite Mm -hmm. easy to right to slip yeah and maybe then it's better to think okay is it the cleverest part is it clever today to go riding and especially when you have a horse that when i think at our own horses we've got two and they are on fire 
by themselves quite easy. <laughs> yeah. So we need to be really like zen yeah. when we're riding them. And when we are on fire, adding on fire and on fire, it's not the best thing to do. Oh, that's yeah. so fascinating. And I mean, I think that's obviously this is where like equine therapy comes into play, yeah. right? When you're dealing with people with post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, and they're True. learning how to be calm around the animals. I think that's yeah. so beautiful. Yeah. So fascinating. For me, the fascination became bigger as we are riding Icelandic horses. So we've got, instead of a three gator, We've got a four or five gator. Our horses have. What does that mean? <laughs> Nor <laughs> a normal, like a normal horse can do like a walk, trot and gallop or canter. Okay. And ours have like tilt. It's like the same way they place their feet as in walk, only on a faster rhythm. Mm -hmm. And ours can do pace, like how an elephant or a giraffe walks. Okay. And we ask them or we work with them in those different gates using our own body tension. Mm. So our own body tension makes the neurological pathway from the horse's feet to be placed in a different way. Wow. So yeah, for me, that was really like, okay, now we need to think about what's the effect of us as rider and how do we influence our horses and how do we ride those gates. Mm -hmm. If you haven't checked out the Pilates and Movement online studio and all of the goodies inside of it, make sure to check out the link in the show notes below. So when you were talking, I wanted to talk about this earlier, but this idea of being able to check in into our bodies yeah. and to be able to notice change mm -hmm. in our bodies is one of the biggest parts of the Franklin method. So how do you teach your people how to check in? Riding students, I ask them to ride in where we are, like in the riding arena, and to ride on both hands, like three or four rounds, and just notice their own body. Because main other instructors ask the rider, what do you feel from your horse? And then they will say, yeah, he's stuck on one rein or one hind leg is, is not moving that well, or he is hollow on one side, or he's not responding to my aids. He's stuck to my leg. And I think that many of those outcomes begin with how we are as rider and how we sit as rider. So I ask them most of the time just for like one or two minutes, go around the arena and just focus on your own body. And don't focus on your horse. If he's going zigzag through the arena, it's no problem. And many of them just, it's hard for them. They will notice their shoulders or sometimes they even just copy what the instructor often tells them. Yeah, my toes are out or um, yeah, I've got my shoulders, my shoulders are tensed. And then I just ask them, what does, how does it feel? Or what do you notice that, that you say my, my toes are out? Where do you feel something? Yeah, and that's what I do. And then I actually try to do it every time we change a gait. So when we go from walk to trot, I often ask them as well, do a check-in, notice your body, notice what feels good, 
noticed what doesn't feel as flexible as you would like to have it and give me the feedback where you notice something. And then I think what's nice is once they start learning the different tools Mm -hmm. that I'm sure you're teaching them, then they can start implementing some of those tools to then start feeling a little bit more at ease, right? Yeah, true. And it's easier that for them, uh, the, the more they practice, the easier it will be. And, and the more they will do it also at home, the easier it will, it will be. Yeah. And even I say to them, try to do this, like, for instance, when you're doing brushing your teeth in the morning or uh, doing the dishes, yeah. just notice how you are. And maybe when you are going for a job interview or when you are standing in the grocery shop behind your shopping car, notice your body. How do I feel today? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Just like you said, the more you practice that, the better. And you know, I noticed when I started practicing it, I noticed that when I was standing doing the dishes, I would have my pelvis clenching. Like I would have my butt clenched. And I'm like, why do I need that right now? <laughs> why, why is this happening? And so then I would be like, well, what happens if I let it go? Nothing yeah. happens. Like the world is not going to collapse if I let my pelvic floor go. Yeah. And so, you know, just from that simple exercise of being able to check in, I was able to notice that I was doing things that weren't necessary to help, you know, sustain my posture or sustain, you know, my standing position. And, you know, I've been able to now, now when I go to do the dishes, I know to just check in there almost right away, because I I know that that's my my tendency. So as a result of that, I'm doing much better, right? I'm not, I'm not having as much back pain as I used to have, you know, so it's, it's fascinating what you can learn when you start checking into your body. And also what you learn learn about the art of letting go. Yes. I think we are hanging on to quite a lot of things, both physical and mentally. And as we try to let it go, and I don't, it doesn't, even I have moments that I'm hanging on to things or I'm clanging on to things and ah, I want to grab it and I want to hold it. And then I think, well, what does it bring? But I, I only can change it when I notice Mm -hmm. and what I don't notice, I can't change. That's right. The beauty of all of this. And I think also to, you know, there's checking in and being able to see where you're at on a given day. Cause I mean, that can give you your baseline. It can give you Mm -hmm. your understanding of where you at so that you can make a change. But then once you implement a tool, being able to notice the small change or a large change, depending on what it is. After the fact, that's a whole other. <laughs> yeah, that's all. That's almost a whole other skill. It's related, you know, because you're checking in. But being able to teach people how to make tiny little changes and to be able to celebrate those small changes, you know, even if it's not somebody hitting you up the side of the head, you know, or you know, because not all change is going to be big and dramatic, you know. I think that's a whole other thing. What do you have to say? Yeah, that's a whole other thing. And I think also that what I said earlier, that the world we're living in with like social media and everything needs to be bigger and better and quick fixed. Like I want to lose some weight. I will buy a pill and and I'll, I'll, I will be like, I will lose 10 stone in two days. I think that the small steps we may see more or we may, it's like also back to nature. A tree isn't a tree in only one day. It needs years and years to be a big tree. And if I 
plant flowers its first seed and and it takes a long time underneath in the ground to be bigger better stronger and then all of the sudden it's something green and then there's a flower who blooms but we want the flower mm-hmm. and it takes time nature takes time our, our body takes time and we don't give ourselves this this time nowadays mm-hmm. everything needs to be faster bigger yeah i agree so let's shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about you being a physiotherapist right because mm-hmm. i mean the franklin method is one thing being a physiotherapist and working with people in their bodies is something that you do every day obviously yeah. do you feel that you are presented with that challenge with your clients when they come to see you with their bodies, you know, that they want to see a change quickly and that they're not as patient as they need to be. (laughs) Yeah, I really do believe in the power of nature and the power of Mm -hmm. self. Yeah, self-healing may sound a bit heavy, but if we look at all tissues in our body and we go back to the physiologically about that, it takes time for the cells to get new, to get better. If we look at the healing time of many things, it's six weeks or more. But also then the media, like being a football player, we all know Arjen Robben, for instance, a Dutch football player. He had quite a lot of hamstring problems. And then the newsletters always wrote he has a hamstring injury. But in three days later, he was on the field again. Yeah, that's also what makes the perspective of how fast we can regenerate and how fast we can heal. But yeah, it doesn't work that way for me. And and it's for me in my work as a physiotherapist, I really do believe in the biopsychosocial effect of our body. So it's not only biomechanic, Mm -hmm. it's always the context also. So the context where the the body is working in both physical and and mentally, which makes us heal easier or faster or maybe slower. Like, and then also comes in the part where we, how we live what we eat, mm-hmm. if we smoke, yeah. <laughs> all those contexts will, yeah, will make how our body reacts on an injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so who do you work with mostly? Do you work with athletes more or do you work with the regular population or do you do a mix of both? In our practice, I work the most with people with back pain Okay, and then like persistent back pain or the normal back pain Uh yeah that's my main population and people who have problems with their body both physical and mentally linked to their job so linked to their uh, work I feel like back pain is such a big topic hey like I feel like a lot of people experience back pain and I feel that my from my own experience with back pain (laughs) that it's a lot of it has to do with the mental health, right? The emotional state of the person. I remember, you know, a long time ago and my, my listeners have heard the story before, but you haven't. So I'll share it with you briefly, but my father-in-law passed away and I became this rock solid support for everybody in the family. And I was not dealing with the emotions myself. So I was Mm -hmm. bottling up my own emotions, not even realizing I was doing it. And my 
back was just in excruciating pain. I couldn't do anything. And so then I saw Feldenkrais practitioner and she released my back and I just started sobbing and I I cried for like three weeks. (laughs) You know, I finally just let out all all of the emotions, but it was, uh, you know, and of course I wasn't completely healed after, of course, because I have a tendency for back stiffness and pain anyways. So I, there's Mm -hmm. things that I must do on the regular just to make sure that things keep moving and they don't get tightened back up. But for me, you know, that mind body connection and that connection to our emotional and mental health was really solidly determined at that time, you know, that, so I share that story as much as possible so that, you know, people can understand a bit more. Totally do agree. And it's the same with the riders. As soon as I work with them, our pelvic floor is quite a region also where a lot of emotions are. And I had it for a few weeks ago that a lady she said there wasn't any tension around her pelvic floor. She said, oh no, I can let it go. And nothing's wrong with that. And I saw it and it, yeah, I used the, the, the peanut, the, the blue uh, airfield ball. All of a sudden she started crying on her horse and then there came, everything came out. And yeah, I do think that a tendency of back pain, the influence of our pelvis, stress related things. And, and we all, have a part in our body that is quite easy to trick when we don't move as flexible mm-hmm. as we can. Yeah. And for some of them, it's their shoulder. Some of them will get like a migraine. Other will get a bladder infection, mm. but many people will get lower back pain. Yeah, the bladder yeah. infections. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <That's so laughs> I'm so it's glad you brought well. that up. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. so true, the bladder infections. It's just, you know, I've got I've been through my own my own period of time where I've had that off and on, you know, and so I really do have to connect back into my body a little bit more. And I know other women as well yeah. in my life who have also experienced all of that, you know. So yeah. Ah, oh, so fascinating. This conversation has been wonderful. Yeah, I think it's okay. Because we don't want to talk about it. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Who wants to talk <laughs> <Perfect>. about it? <laughs> Who wants to talk about their, their their bladder or also after giving birth? Who wants to talk about things that they will lose urine sometimes or going and, and excuse me, but having sex isn't as fun anymore or, or all things like that. Yeah. People feel ashamed about speaking and also men not only women also men feel ashamed about it I feel like right now the conversation around leaking and around pelvic floor and all of that stuff is shifting I feel like that's shifting and it's becoming a lot more Mm -hmm. acceptable for women to be talking about that with one another and to be hearing and learning about all of that on social media I feel like there's a wonderful group of women out there that are, are doing that work but I feel for the men because there's nobody out there talking about leaking for men, you know what I mean? And and having incontinence problems with that. Like that's, I'm sure there's a lot of even more shame on top of all of that for men. This conversation has been so wonderful. Thank you so much for joining here. And I'm just wondering when they listen to this, they're going to want to know where to find you. Where can they find you? They can find me on social media. (laughs) Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm on social media too. Mm -hmm. They can find me on Facebook just Mm -hmm. by my name, Eva Boone. 
they can find me on Instagram as well. If you look up Eva Bone, you will find me as well. And I got an own website. It's in Dutch. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I will connect it here below. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. But if you Google me, then uh, then you will find me. I'm on the Franklin Method Equestrian website both the website of Allison and also the website we we made our Dutch version of it as well so yeah well thank you so much for joining me thank you that's it for today folks I hope you learned something new and as always thank you so much for listening in it means a lot to me So to learn more about me and my work, you can find me at mattersofmovement.com. And in order for this podcast to reach a wider audience, you can show your support and love by subscribing to, rating, and reviewing this podcast. See you next time so that we can continue to explore all the matters related to movement together. Mm